0: Section 4 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 9, March 1898. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Schamff. The Mount St. Elias Expedition of Prince Luigi Amadeo of Savoy, 1897, by Eliza Ruhama Skidmore. A lecture of Dr. Filippo de Filippi, who accompanied Prince Luigi of Savoy on his expedition to Mount St. Elias, was delivered before the Turin Alpine Club, and it has been published in the Revista Mensile del Club Alpino Italiano, the first authentic account given of that remarkably successful ascent of one of the greatest snow peaks of the world. A translation of this article appears in the latest Sierra Club Bulletin, January 1898, by Dr. Paolo de Vecchi of San Francisco, member of the Sierra Club and the Turin Alpine Club, who assisted Prince Luigi by making the advance preparations on the Pacific coast. Dr. Filippo de Filippi tells how Prince Luigi determined upon the expedition in February 1897 and at once began correspondence with those in the United States who could best inform and advise him. He associated with Hint Lieutenant Cagui, Signore Gonella, Signore Vittorio Sella, the Alpine photographer, and Dr. Filippo. Four guides or huntsmen from the Royal Italian Estates and the special guide of Signore Sella accompanied them, leaving Turin May 17th and reaching New York from Liverpool May 28th. They proceeded to San Francisco where part of the equipment was procured and sailed from Seattle on the regular mail steamer for Alaska, June 13th. Major E.S. Ingram of Seattle, with 10 American packers, their equipment and provisions, having sailed a few days before on the Schooner Aggie. The expedition left Sitka June 20th, the mail steamer towing the Aggie for Yakutat Bay, where a landing was made on the coast of the Malaspina Glacier, June 23rd prince luigi was thoroughly informed of all the work of the expeditions of schwatka and topham and the two expeditions sent to mount saint elias by the national geographic society professor i c russell commanding and before leaving italy had planned every detail and mapped out his route professor russell professor george davidson the senior scientist of the pacific coast professor Fay of the appalachian club boston and Major Ingram of Seattle, who has climbed Mount Radier again and again, gave advice and assistance without stint. It was the most thoroughly planned and well-managed expedition that we have known of on American peaks, and was carried out like a military maneuver. Perfect discipline and harmony prevailed, the ten Italians leading the way, while Major Ingram and his ten packers conducted a transport service that never failed in promptly passing on by the chain of camps extending to the foot of the Newton Glacier, the ample store of provisions landed at the seashore. There was not the slightest delay, nor hitch in any of the arrangements, and from the time Prince Luigi left Turin until he returned to London, everything moved like military maneuvers at an annual review." It was indeed but a promenade to the top of Mount St. Elias and back again, a promenade over the ice and snow that had daunted and defeated four expeditions before that year, and a fifth expedition but a fortnight before Prince Luigi landed on the forest-covered edge of the Malaspina Glacier. Starting from the seacoast on the morning of June 24th, and always preceding the party to choose the way and determine the place for halts and camps, Prince Luigi led his men across Malaspina's forest, and on the sixth day reached the edge of clear ice, where the four extra-Indian packers were sent back to Yakutat, and the sleds made ready for use. They were then 492 feet above the sea, the real climb began, and for all the rest of the way their route lay over snow and ice, Mount St. Elias presenting the longest snow climb anywhere in the world. Beginning their alpine work on the 1st of July, allowing one day's rest on the 4th that the Americans might celebrate Independence Day, Prince Luigi piloted them across the Malaspina and Seward glaciers to the point near Pinnacle Pass, where he found the cairn and tent fragments left by Professor Russell in 1890. At that point, Major Ingram and the American Packers were left behind, to carry on independently the work of passing provisions up from the coast, and vittling the route as far as the upper Newton Glacier, where the Italian guides then took charge of the packs. The Prince proceeded across the Seward and on up the Agassiz and Newton Glaciers towards the same ridge on the north side of St. Elias, from which Professor Russell essayed the summit in 1891. They encountered rain, fog, mist, and snow for all the early part of the climb dragging the sleds over slush and soft snow, in which they often sank to their hips. Of the thirteen days spent in toilsomely ascending the Newton Glacier, only three days were tolerably clear. And Dr. Filippo says, During these, the panorama was really enchanting, with its different colors changing at every instant, and with a characteristic indigo blue very different from the coloring of the Italian Alps. These glaciers differ from those of the Alps in that the stormy weather in Alaska is not dangerous and the thunder is not heard mingled with the noises of the avalanches. On the morning of July 30th, Prince Luigi left the camp at the head of the Newton Glacier, 8,958 feet above the sea, and camped that night on a ridge 12,248 feet above the sea. The atmosphere is so clear that the far away sea and all the peaks around can be seen. From St. Elias and from the rocks of Newton, continual avalanches of snow and ice and stone fall with a tremendous noise. The sun setting is beautiful. The sky is steel blue. The rest of the horizon orange-red. And Augusta Mount looks like a volcano in eruption. Dr. Filippo observes, from which it may be inferred what photographs Professor Sella was able to make with his two large cameras. Starting at midnight, with perfectly clear sky, and climbing to a point at 16,400 feet, they halted for breakfast, and then continued the dizzying, exhausting climb, resting every ten minutes to breathe. 160 feet from the top, Pedagax, who is at the head, stops to give way to the prince, telling him, It is for you to touch the top first, as you deserve it by your perseverance. His Highness steps to the top of St. Elias, and all the others run, anxious and exhausted, to join him in the hurrah. The victory is complete, and it is all Italian. All ten have accomplished the purpose for which they left their own country. It was 1145 on the 31st of July, and the Italian flag was waving, hanging to a post while the little crowd stood, cheering Italy and the king. The temperature is 12 degrees centigrade. The mercurial barometer points to 385 millimeters, and, with the correction, shows an altitude of 18,086 feet above the sea level, closely approximate to that of 18,080 feet, calculated in 1891 by Russell with triangulation. The descent was as perfect a military maneuver as the ascent, the party making three of the previous camps in each day. The food supplies were all in waiting at the chain of camps, and in ten days they had retraced the route it had taken them thirty days to ascend. The prince had ordered the Aggie to meet them between the 10th and 11th of August. On the evening of the 10th they camped on the shore, embarked on the 11th, sailed on the 12th, reached Sitka the 17th of August, 57 days after leaving it. Sailing from New York by the Lucania, September 4th, the party broke up in London, September 11th. The prince in good time to take part in some yacht races for which he had promised to reach England by the middle of September. The most modest and unassuming as the most intrepid and successful of all the explorers who have assayed Mount St. Elias. End of section four.